Welcome to First Importance, the official podcast of the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged today by this message. Tonight's going to look a little bit different. We just finished our Bible study, our study together in Why We Can Trust the Bible. I hope that was a blessing to you. I know it was to me. As we answered all of these questions about the Bible, what gives the Bible authority? And why does the Bible carry with it authority? And we looked at the clarity of the Bible. We looked at uh, the sufficiency of the Bible. We looked at how the New Testament and Old Testament were even put together. And I believe we walked away with a great amount of confidence that what we study in God's Word is not just cleverly devised myths or fairy tales. It's not just a list of random books that the, the winners of their doctrinal battles fought and, and got to put their books in. But what we observed together was God's very hand and bring to us his word. And if you were unable to be with us, I want to encourage you to go to our podcast and listen to that, Why We Can Trust the Bible. It was a blessing to me. I hope it was to you. And in this month, as we go into March, we're going to be focusing on missions, missions. And so next Wednesday is something special I'll tell you about in just a moment. But throughout the rest of March, we're going to look at Lottie Moon. Okay, as, as Southern Baptists, uh, we know that we take up a Lottie Moon Christmas offering, but we're going to look at the life of Lottie Moon and what the missions offering actually does. We're going to look at that together. We're going to look at Annie Armstrong. Any good Southern Baptist knows who Annie Armstrong is and knows about that Easter offering. So we'll talk about that a little bit and what that offering goes toward. Uh, we're going to look at our, our Acts 1-8 mission drive and how we support uh, all of those things and how we support the 8th Street Mission and Hope House and Hope of the Delta. We're going to be focusing on missions this week or this month. And so I want to encourage you to be involved on our midweek services as we look at missions throughout the month of March. And to really kick that off next week, uh, we're going to do something different tonight, but to kick it off next week, we're going to meet in the sanctuary. And here's what I'm going to announce to you guys. I'm excited about this. On next Wednesday, we're going to have our sanctuary open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And we're going to invite you, if you feel led throughout the day, to come and devote an hour up here. We're going to have a few stations where you can pray for uh, Todd and Erica Carroll and their family in Brazil, where you can pray for the Curtis family uh, and their mission in Maine. We're going to pray for uh, other missionaries. We're going to pray for revival. Uh, but that will be open for the entire church to come in as you desire. And, and that Wednesday night, uh, instead of us meeting over here after we eat, we're going to go over there, and we're going to continue and really finish up that time of prayer where we're committing 12 hours. I'm, I'm praying that we as a church have at least someone up here throughout the entire day praying. So as a church, all day we will spend time in prayer and asking God to bless our missionaries, asking God to do a great work and to continue to do a great work here at First Baptist West Memphis. That's next week. And so after we eat in here, we're going to travel over to the sanctuary, and hopefully it'll be a little more dry next Wednesday night when we make that trek over there. I believe I've given you all the announcements. And so I want to do just a, a quick little uh, study this evening in the book of Acts in chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. 
As Southern Baptists, we are uniquely involved in missions. Uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is not a top-down organization. Uh, there may be other religious entities where the top of the chain or the president or bishop or whatever it is that they may be direct things to the other churches and, and their property belongs to the, the denomination. That's not the way it works with Southern Baptists. We are autonomous. And that's a good, that's a good place for some of us Baptists to say amen, amen. Uh, which is we're not directed by those who uh, have elected positions across the convention. We're not directed by them as to what we should do and what we should not do. Rather, what we do as Baptists, as Southern Baptists, is we cooperate together for the sake of missions. And that's what the cooperative program is. We cooperate together. We give to Dixie Jackson, Annie Armstrong, uh, Lottie Moon, which, by the way, I didn't mention, mention Dixie Jackson a while ago, but we'll talk about Dixie Jackson this month. We give uh, to the cooperative program together, and our thought is that as Southern Baptists, who agree upon these certain doctrines together, which we've put in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, that we've agreed upon these things and we're going to go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel. And because we've done that as Southern Baptists, we've been able to send more missionaries out into the field than perhaps we would have otherwise. We've been able to support missionaries around the world, and I'm extremely thankful for this cooperation that we have together. So Southern Baptists, we have a unique relationship with missions, but oftentimes as Southern Baptists, we will say, or I've heard some say, well, I give to the cooperative program, so I'm involved in all of the missions, and they refuse to get involved in any other level in missions. And I want you to know today, my friends, that missions is the work of the local church. Missions is the work of the local church. God has commanded us as a church to go out and to proclaim the gospel. He has commanded us as a church to go out and to, as a church to baptize and make disciples of all nations, teaching them all that he has taught us to observe. Um, and so it is the job of the church to do those things. And while we get to cooperate together as Southern Baptists to maximize that, don't for a minute think that we have exported or that you can export your obligation as a believer in Christ to be on mission. Uh, Sarah and I uh, think it's very important uh, to not only give to the local church, which we are faithful in our giving, but we also believe that it's right and responsible of us to support other missionaries. And so as God has brought other missionaries in our lives, we support them and as we do that, we teach our kids. It's important to place value in those eternal matters more than it is the temporary things. And so we, we wanna, I want to encourage you to do those things. But I'm, I'm driving down this point here that missions is the job of the church. Going out and proclaiming the gospel is the job of the church. And we see this displayed throughout the New Testament. Of course, Jesus says this to his disciples in the Great Commission. You're going to go out and you're going to do these things. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he tells them that they're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the earth after the Holy Spirit has come upon them. But here, here we see it happen in a unique fashion. If you will, this may be the calling of the, of the first missionaries, even though they're not truly the first missionaries, but we'll see it uniquely displayed here. Acts chapter 
13, and, and here's what's happened just before this. We're recording the New Testament church and all that occurred right after Jesus resurrected from the grave and ascended into heaven. So far, we have seen the church uh, go through persecution. We've seen uh, the first martyr. We've seen the conversion of Saul. Uh, and now we see Saul being set aside for a unique work. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Would you pray with me, please? Father, in these few moments that we have together in this passage, I pray that you would anoint me for the preaching and the teaching of your word, that your people might be drawn closer to you, and that those who do not know you, who hear the sound of my voice, might come underneath the conviction of your Holy Spirit and surrender their life to you. Lord, I trust all of this into your hands, and I know that I'm not capable of anything, so I pray uh, that you would bring fruit from all that's about to occur. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You notice firstly in this verse, that point to which I've already been driving home is that missions begins in the church. And we've already spoken a little bit about these different, uh, how's cooperative program. Uh, we, we support missionaries throughout. But First Baptist Church of West Memphis our body is responsible for sending out missionaries and for evangelizing the world. We are not exempt from that, and we cannot export that out to other people. You know, our church supports the Carols. They're a family that came from within the church, and we sent them into uh, Brazil to go and to share the gospel. We have a, a couple that that uh, certainly uh, is from and has a deep seeds and heart in this church, Justin and Bethany Curtis, who are working in Maine to proclaim the gospel. We have Philip Lyons and his family, I believe it's in eastern Tennessee, who are proclaiming the gospel there. Our church has a very high priority upon missions. It is rooted here in the church it's not that it occurs, well, the locus, the, the center of missions ought to be from the church, and we ought to be active in that mission. We already are, and we ought to persist and continue in that. But here we notice that the, that the church was, in Antioch, had prophets and teachers. It names Barnabas. It says, uh, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So across, I mean, this is a gathering of very unique and different people. Uh, you have someone who's a lifelong friend of royalty. You have someone who's a lifelong, so this is a person of perhaps means or who is affluent. You have you have Saul here, who was a persecutor of the church. You have all types of different people here together. They have different backgrounds, right? They have, uh, uh, perhaps they have nothing else in common other than this. They have been saved by the blood of Jesus. And together, they are doing what? They are worshiping the Lord, and they are fasting, and they are 
praying. Uh, it's incredibly important. There's been a movement uh, within the last, uh, Doc, you may say it was more than the last 10 years, Dr. Milliken, but I, I would say certainly within the last 10 years, there's been a big movement about the lack of importance of the preaching of the word in God's church. And so they'll come to uh, things like this and they'll say, well, really, as a church, we ought to be doing these things together. And I would just proclaim to you the Bible is abundantly clear on the, the extreme importance of God's church spending time underneath the preaching of his word. I believe it's incredibly important. It is apparent throughout all of Scripture. It's not just people sitting around asking, what do you think this means? Or what does this mean to you? Right? Uh, it's important to have small group studies together and to fellowship. Um, that question that's most often asked, uh, this probably well-intended in small group, what does this passage mean to you? It doesn't matter what it means to me. It matters what it means, right? What, what, now, how does this apply to our lives? We can talk about that. And how does it apply to my life and your life? Who's walking through these different phases in life. We can talk about that. Uh, uh, but th there is an extreme importance in the preaching of the word. But notice what they're doing here together and what's common for the church to be doing. They're worshiping the Lord and they are fasting. They are praying. They are fervent. You know, that's something that the church lacks today. The church was sure that Jesus would come back in their own lifetime. You and I, I'm sure that Jesus is going to come back in my own lifetime. I'm not compromising that by saying that they felt that it would happen the same way. But they are confident that Jesus is coming back and they're praying for his return. And they're praying that they might be obedient. They're remembering all of these parables that Jesus spoke. Like the one about the, the ten virgins who are waiting on the bride and the groom and the wedding party. And five of them bring lamps with, uh, with extra oil. And some of them bring their lamps and they don't bring extra oil. And that while they're all waiting, five of them fall asleep. And when they hear the sound of the groom coming, five of them wake up. They trim their lamps. They pour the oil in there. They light their lamps and they're ready for the celebration. While the other five, they are not ready. And they're not coming into the party. They're not going to be a part of the celebration. God's church knew the importance of being earnest and fervent to God in prayer. Uh, I believe that's changing at First Baptist West Memphis. Uh, I, hope, I hope somehow that through my own faults and through uh, what God's doing in my life, that our church is going to be a church of prayer. That we love to pray together. That we love to ask, how can I pray for you? And then really pray for the person. Like, stop right there. I want to pray for you right now. How can I pray for you? The, the other day, I had been trying to get a hold of a certain pastor in our county. And I had lost this pastor's phone number. The Lord had laid this person on my heart. I'd been praying for them. And the other night, or last Sunday night, I pulled into Walmart parking lot, and I was just going to get some gas, and I saw this preacher walking into Walmart. And so I parked, and I ran into Walmart, and he'd already gotten far into Walmart. And I'm running up and down the aisles. I'm wanting to find this brother. And I see him. He's over getting milk out of the, out of the refrigerator. He has it open, and I, I'm running. Can you imagine me running? I'm running down the aisle. And when he shuts the door, I'm right there. And I said, brother. And he goes, 
I said, don't be scared, it's just me. I said, how are you doing? I've been praying for you. And we sat there and we talked and I pr we prayed together. Such a, such a dear, uh, well, we don't talk much to one another, so I'd hate to say such a dear friend, but such a dear brother, right? A lot of times we will say that we're praying for somebody and we never actually pray for them. Prayer's not really a priority. Here in the church, they're praying together. And they're not just praying, they're fasting. Uh, we've all forgotten that practice. I think it's safe to say. Uh, we've all set that practice off to the side. Jesus said, when some of John's disciples asked why Jesus' disciples are, not pray, are fasting, Jesus says, well, while I'm here, they're not going to fast, but one day when I'm gone, my people are going to fast and pray. What you do when you fast is you Set aside these things that seem so appealing, like I need to eat, I want to eat, right? And what you're saying is, God, you're more important and your presence in my life and your favor in my life and my obedience to you and your fruit of the Spirit in my life is more important than my stomach. It's more important than my taste buds. They're fasting they're praying together. And as they're fasting and as they're praying, as they're worshiping the Lord, the Holy Spirit lays it upon their hearts. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. You know, God works when his people pray. God works when his people pray. He hears our voices. When we cry out to him together, he hears us. He longs to, he knows our needs already. You know God knows your needs. You don't have to voice them, he knows it. But he wants you to. He wants you to communicate with him. Prayer is more about your relationship with him. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He wants you to know it. He wants you to proclaim it to him. Lord, this is what's going on in my life and I, I want to talk about it with you. I want to bring it before your feet. I don't want to try to take care of it. I want to bring it before you. They're all praying. God lays upon their heart to set aside uh, Paul and to set aside Barnabas for this missionary work. And what is their response? Because you'd think that they would say, uh, well, we're done fasting. Uh, the first time I, I ever... as I don't want to go into that, but first time I ever really thought about fasting, seriously, our, our youth pastor was talking about it when I was younger. And I said, uh, Brother Danny Joe, he's our youth pastor. I said, you know what would be a great idea? A fasting lock-in. Now, if I were a youth minister today, I couldn't think of two or three words that I would not want strung together at all. A fasting lock-in. Danny Joe said, yeah, let's do it. And so we uh, had a fasting lock-in, but we were praying, and we were praying together, and we are praying for these things. And I bet you an hour hadn't passed, and we were all starving. We were ready to eat. I mean, teenage boys, I mean, my goodness. Well, how long are we expected to do this, Lord? I mean, we're waiting to eat. We're hungry, right? It don't take long before that happens. Well, here they're fasting. They're praying. God has laid something on their heart. You'd think it would be the time for them to say, all right, he's spoken, Let's go. But what happens? Let's do it again. Let's keep at it. God has spoken and set aside these two people. We don't know what he set them aside for. We don't know what their mission is going to be. We don't know how he's going to use them. We can't see the future, but we know who can.
We know who holds the future. We know who has preordained the future. We know who sees the future. And we're going to continue fasting and praying. Notice they lay their hands on them and, and send them off, getting up close to them. Paul, Barnabas, we support you. Your mission is our mission. We're getting up close to you. We're laying our hands upon you. We love you. We're praying for you. So I want you to see the importance of prayer in missions. Uh, perhaps in this room, we can't all sell what we have and go to the Congo this evening. We can't, perhaps I mean, God hasn't called each of us to those things. But is prayer for missions an important part of your prayer life? You pray for missionaries, the Carols, the Curtises, the Lions. Do you pray for missionaries around the world? Do you pray for our North American Mission Board, our International Mission Board? Do you pray for Arkansas missions? I think that we ought to be people of prayer and we ought to be praying for missions. Don't you know, God knows what they need. He wants you to know. He wants you to bring it before him in prayer. He wants you to, he wants what is important to him to be important to you. So bring before him that prayer in missions. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, as we turn now to this time of prayer meeting, as we have spent time studying what your word has to say about prayer and its role in missions, Father, I pray that now as we turn to this time of prayer, that, Lord, we lift up all the requests that are on our hearts. But, Father, I pray that you would also put on our hearts missions. And, Lord, that we would be praying for those missionaries around the world this evening. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you're going to do. It's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to First Importance. It is our prayer that you have been blessed by this podcast. We welcome you to join us in person for worship at First Baptist West Memphis on Sundays at 1045 a.m., where our desire is to love God, care for one another, and share the gospel. Thank you.